Hey, this is Chuck, and you are listening to Fans with Bands, the podcast where we talk to the fans and the bands they dig about life, music, and whatever the hell else we want to talk about. Today on Fans with Bands, we're talking to Pulp Phonics. Check it out. There we go. Hey, this is Chuck with Fans with Bands, and I'm talking to Stu from Pulp Phonics. Stu, how are you doing? Doing good, Chuck. Excellent. Fantastic. Hey, I want to thank you for reaching out and uh, tuning me into your band, Pulp Phonics. Uh, checked out the music and uh, the singles that you guys had. And uh, I got to say, it's it's sort of like you guys are like all over the map as far as musical styles, which I think is cool. It's fun. Um, but the first question I wanted to ask you is like, how did you come up with the name Pulp Phonics? <laughs> um, that, was, uh, that was my brainchild. We struggled with a name for a long time when we started as kind of a jam band that we weren't taking seriously we were the sundowners and then we shifted to deep in the mitten uh referencing the chili peppers song <laughs> um but at the time there was three of us in the band um and uh all of us had very different influences yeah um so we needed a name that was going to reflect the crazy level of influences that we had all <laughs> over the place. Um, and I got literal with it and went to pulp, which is, you know, a mix of different things. And then phonics, which is sounds nice. <laughs> awesome. It does a good job. I was actually surprised it hadn't been taken. <laughs> I know it's a cool name. And it does a good way of uh, it's a good way of describing your music because when I was listening to it, I heard like um, some elements of hard rock, some metal, um, ska. There's uh, kind of the, like you said that that bluesy, well, more psychedelic uh, yeah. jam rock, you know, going on um, it, again all over the map. And I was sort of wondering, like, from a songwriting perspective, how do you like you know you go from um, and I'm blanking out of the name. It's blue. Uh, Jeez, is it what was that one tune blue um, oh uh, blue satin yeah blue satin which is you know yeah. kind of a cool mellow jam um mm -hmm. and then there's other ones that are harder and there's another one that has this definitely a ska influence um so i was curious how do you guys come up with the tunes what's the song writing process like is it um somebody comes in with an idea and you guys run with it or throw yeah, stuff for, together um for us, it was, um, we called it the Pulp Phonics Blender. <laughs> um, uh, for those singles, and most of those singles are on this album that's coming out um, in April. But um, the, uh, either me or Dustin, sometimes Sean would bring an idea to the table for a song. <clears throat> and then it would go into the uh, the blender and we would all kind of pick at it. And um, like the song eight track is a great example. The um, Dustin originally wrote that to be a very much like early two thousands sounding alt rock song. Yeah. And um, we just, I, we were just like, it's not a bad song by any means, but it just needs more. It needs something else. Um, so, uh, you know, we ended up kind of slowing it down a little bit and throwing in kind of that, uh, little bit of like that chill hop California yeah. vibe to it. Yeah. Um, and we were like, okay, this, this feels really good. And it's the same song. Just, right. just read on. Um, 
and that's and that's kind of what it was with all of them um like there's uh, like no no song on any of the on this project is like uh this is Stu's masterpiece it's just purely out of my head it's right it might have started as my idea um but it you know got shifted and twisted and mangled by the pulp phonics blunder <laughs> as everybody <laughs> took 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 their own interpretations of the of parts and added parts and yeah you know whatnot so so, so now does the blender take place um like when you guys are together or are you uh tossing ideas across the internet to each other and then getting it together how, how are you how are you working that out i would i would say probably 90 percent of it was when we were together cool we'd yeah. start we'd start jamming on something you know you know, here, here's a chord progression. Here's kind of the tempo that I'm thinking. Um, and then we'd start playing it and like, you know, this doesn't feel like it doesn't, it doesn't feel like this now it's let's do, let's do it, this to it. Yeah. Let's add this to it. Yeah. Well, let's take that part out. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that sounds awesome. <laughs> sounds like yeah. a good way to do it really, you know, just to have yeah. fun and, and mess around with that stuff and throw in all the different influences together. So mm -hmm. you met, you mentioned, um, You've got uh, a record coming out, and I believe it's April seventh. Um, yes. And um, I think it was called uh, "Art Is Money." Art is money. All right, awesome. And so that's going to be a full length. Of, uh, yep. What are you doing? How many? Uh, how many songs are you planning? There, there's eleven tracks on it. Um, the most of the, like most of the singles are on it that we have out, um, and then some tracks that we. Um, haven't released yet obviously yeah um cool. and uh yeah it was uh yeah no <laughs> the whole album was like nothing how we how we planned <laughs> yeah. so did you guys do it on your own as far as recording did you go to a studio how did how did it work um for that project um all but a few of the tracks we went to cold war studios okay where's that at um that's in Grand Rapids. It's um, uh, Rick Johnson of Mustard Plug. Oh yeah, owns it and he runs okay. it and he mixed and mastered a lot of the tracks. Excellent, very cool. Oh, he's a super cool guy. You get a chance to work with him. Nice. Yeah, uh, I know Nate, uh, who's the drummer for Mustard okay. Plug and Bonehawk actually. Uh, but um, so for so for this album, you mentioned a bunch of the singles are going to be on there and some mm -hmm. new music is it yeah. um what, what do you feel like because you, you do have such an eclectic mix of of songs what are the new the uh, the unreleased tunes like are they still in the general vein or do you guys go off in the left field with some of them they're even farther into left field <laughs> um so two of the tracks that are on it um we made a uh uh, they're from a movie score. We did a movie score for an independent film on YouTube. Um, it was a really, really cheesy, campy <laughs> indie horror film um, called Hellfire Hades Attacks in the 1980s. Yeah, I checked it out. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, it, we had a lot of fun making the music for that and then seeing how it all fit in. Um and shameless plug, if anybody has a movie that they want music for, we'd be absolutely thrilled to do more projects like that. Yeah. Um, but the there's two variations of the theme song um, that we put into the album. 
um, from that. Um, and we're actually at some point <clears throat> when we get around to it, we're going to finish um, kind of a final touch up of some of those tracks and put that out as another release. Um, probably won't hype it as big as this one, cool. but um, <clears throat> so, um, and then um, one of the other tracks that is going to be on it that's not released is called Hellcat. Um, it started as a track that was uh, you know, kind of a riff rock, kind of in that same vein as City of Convicts and Dead in the Ground. Um, and uh, the we had wanted to do more music than what we did for this album. And there was a, a lot of restraints on on time and yeah whatnot. Um, so we were like, let's put it out as it is and not like just sit on a finished product for this long. Um, but I, I we we had finished Hellcat and we were just kind of like I'm like kind of bored with it. Like it needs something <laughs> more. Um, so we ended up putting in vocal order and um, some synth. Nice. Nice. So, um, and that's a really, that, that was a fun track. Um, and it was one that like, I probably wrote the song close to a year ago. It just, the way things work took forever to get yeah to this point. And then, um, enough time had passed that I kind of was like, you know, we able to look at it from kind of the outside looking in and say like, I, we, we need to do more to this. Like, let's, let's take this back to the drawing board and, yeah and mess it up yeah it makes sense you know sometimes when you're when you're feeling like that tune just quite isn't quite there just kind of put it aside and you know come back to it at some mm -hmm. point and then you know you may find it it doesn't work at all and scrap it mm -hmm. or you come back like you did and find something that works and it's like oh yeah we can retune it this way so you mentioned uh the synths uh, synths um I think that was did you use did you use some of that in the theme music that you had on the um yes yeah yes. i thought so because I, I, I remember thinking a little bit of like a john carpenter themes you know with the yeah <laughs> was um that, was that going through your mind at all i was just curious actually yeah i listened to um i don't remember which soundtrack it was um i know halloween was one of the tracks that i or i listened to the halloween soundtrack but um uh the soundtrack for the shining Oh, yeah. was actually probably what I took the most from cool um and putting in some of that together and um uh but honestly a lot of that was like we listened to some different tracks and different um horror movie scores um but honestly just kind of smoked some weed and watched the scenes without <laughs> music and just did what we thought felt best Awesome. Awesome. So no direction from the, uh, the maker of the film. They just said, we just need some music or give you some basic guidelines. Like I'd like it to sound X. Um, originally all he asked for was a theme, oh, like an right. opening credits theme. And yeah. we did that without knowing anything about the movie other than it was a campy horror. Uh -huh. And, um, uh, he loved it and came back and, then asked if we would want to score the whole movie. Um, and we, we did not get a ton of time to do it either. We probably had like six weeks. Oh, geez. Um, but it, uh, it, it worked out and 
got a lot of like unexpected positive feedback from it too. That's cool. That's uh, awesome. So, uh, yeah, it was it was really fun. Yeah. Love to do that again. Yeah. Sounds like I, yeah. I love the horror genre too. So oh there you go. Yeah, it would be fun. So um I was gonna ask you out of the out of the album um, that's coming out on April 7th, um, what's your favorite track and why? Hmm. Um, probably because it's the last one we worked on. I, I do really like Hellcat. And um, we have more music banks that we've been working on since this album was put together. And Hellcat probably represents more of the direction okay. that we're going in. Okay. And I feel like Hellcat kind of was the best, like, on this project, it was kind of the best in, like, thing to represent our sound. Uh-huh. Um, and, the, and the directions that we're kind of going in. Um, but I don't, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, I, I really love that one, but I also, like, I really like Featherless. Yeah, I thought, um, that, I thought that tune was great. Um, Dead in the Ground was a a really good one too. Um, I, I also love Blurred Days, but Blurred Days might just be fun to me, just because <laughs> we get to go absolutely nuts in the end if we do it on stage. Yeah, that's cool. Is it? <laughs> it's kind of a snowflake song. If you see it live, you're never going to see the same thing again. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> So speaking of live, are you guys planning to do uh, any type of like shows to promote the album? Um, it's a good question. So at the moment, we're just a duo. Um, Dustin, the the bass player, originally had to move to Chicago yeah. and tried to make the distance work. It didn't work out as well as we thought it would. Yeah. Um. So right now, it's just the two of us, uh, Sean and I. Um, and a, a lot of the music on this project, like, could be done as a duo thing. Um, but we, I don't, it, it's hard because we, we also care about, like, we want the full sound. We want yeah. people to hear yeah. the things as written. Yeah. So at the moment, we're not planning much live stuff, but, um, you know, hopefully this summer or so we'll start um, looking into stuff more and kind of get our act together to to yeah. do that. Whether it means we have pre-recorded tracks that we play, you know, to you know supply the the instruments that we can't physically play, yeah, or or we find another player to join us. Um, but honestly, lately we've just been having a lot of fun just writing. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's that's one of the you know great things about being in music. You can just get together and create. So it's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. So speaking of music, um, how did you? What got you into music? Was there a particular um, person, band, album, something that inspired you to want to play? Uh, for me personally, as a kid, I was always fascinated with the guitar. Um. When I was younger, my parents didn't have the money to get me one or to uh, <laughs> um, get me lessons to actually learn it. Um, my dad made me a rubber, a, he made me a guitar with rubber bands and a toilet seat and a two by four. <laughs> um, 
and I think I played it till I broke all the rubber bands. <laughs> um, but uh, it, I got my first guitar in eighth grade, um, and I had lessons for a couple months. Um, and I, I just always thought it was the coolest thing, just the the range of sounds you can do, the just the cool factor of being on a stage. Um, and I don't remember what I liked at the time, but it wasn't until I was in high school that I really discovered Hendrix. Ah, oh, cool. And Hendrix was what um, uh, really pushed me to learn and to challenge myself. I was probably on, I probably had my first guitar for a little over a year. And I had, um, actually, it's on my shelf over here somewhere. <laughs> but I have a book of Hendrix's music transposed from live recordings. Oh, cool. Um, and it's uh, it's not like the studio track. So I really had to read it and actually learn it. And um, like the track Foxy Lady, he yeah. uses his thumb on the bass notes yeah and then yeah and like and that's absolutely not how you're taught to play the guitar yeah <laughs> so i remember i remember sitting for like a, a month trying to learn how to play that song from the way he plays it in this book and i was like how is he doing this yeah how is yeah. he borrowing this and hitting this and yeah and then i watched a recording and i was like oh it's because he's cheating and using his thumb <laughs> um <laughs> oh but but that really like for me like I was like, oh, like, there's like, he's one of the greatest in the world. Yeah. And he played that instrument entirely wrong, not how it was built to be played. So for me, it really kind of expanded, like, there's a lot more I can do with this thing. Yeah. Yeah. It does kind of open doors when you see players like him or, um, you know, uh, you look at like Marty Friedman, when mm -hmm. the way he holds his pick, it's like pretty unconventional. Um, I mean, he picks like you would expect a, a fast picker to pick like him, but, um, uh, yeah, but watching Hendrix or, um, Stevie Ray Vaughan too, which mm -hmm. obviously totally inspired by Hendrix. Um, but yeah, it's kind of cool the way you can watch a player like that and see like, oh yeah, you, I mean, it helps to know some of the rules, but then you can just kind of go outside and like, if you can make the sounds you want with the instrument, go for it. Mm-hmm. So is there anybody else that was influential besides Hendrix? Oh, um, it's all over the map, as you can <laughs> tell from our sound. Um, Stevie was definitely a big influence. Um, Van Halen, there's a lot of metal from Metallica to Pantera and Avenged Sevenfold. To, um, I mean, I, I love Green Day and some of the punk artists of the mid-2000s. Um, I like even some country music like brad paisley is a phenomenal guitarist to listen yeah. to yeah um uh even I, I even got into listening to les paul and uh chet atkins like oh yeah um yeah. pretty much if it has good vocals and you know a you know good guitar then you're right i'm i'm probably i'm probably gonna enjoy it <laughs> awesome uh, awesome well, one other... there's somebody I'm leaving out oh. though. Oh, Vi. Oh, Steve Vi, yeah. Yeah. That guy. Jeez Louise. He's yeah. yeah. He's amazing. And I, I saw him once, um, actually when he was with David Lee Roth. And it's just, oh, cool. just incredible. That guy. 
well, and then Billy Sheehan's in that was in that band too. That's another dude. It's like he's he's playing like a bass guitar, like a lead guitarist, you know. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the oh oh go ahead, Joe Walsh. Sorry, Joe. Oh Walsh. yeah, Joe Walsh. Yeah, now see, he's another guy that does some of those shortcuts and stuff. Well, even more like a blues player does, you know, where mm-hmm. they're we're kind of improvising, doing like partial chords and stuff like that. Yeah, that guy, he's awesome. I, I got to see him live um, on his own and just like, and at that point I'd been playing, I mean, this was only a few years ago, so I've been playing uh-huh. for, you know, close to two decades now. And I was like, how does he make that look so easy? I know. <laughs> um, like, and he was doing um, this on Turn to Stone with really wild, huge, echoing solos. And, um, like, just watching him, like, and he's happy. You can see he's happy, smiling while he's doing it. But it's just, like, yeah. another day to him. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, wow, how? Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> some some God-tier level of playing. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool to watch, um, speaking of Joe Walsh, that uh, there's, like, a uh, Eagles documentary um, yes. and when he joined the Eagles and um, just some of that old footage of him playing, you know, with Don Felder, it's like, Holy crap, those guys, man. And you know, they were doing a shit ton of drugs too. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that, the hotel California lineup of that band was amazing. I wish they would have gotten along. Yeah. 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 Well, one of the questions I like to ask folks, um, kind of going back into your origin story, is uh, what was the very first album you bought? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, so the first one I ever owned was one my parents got me, and it was called Party of the Millennium, and it was a whole bunch of um like golden oldies tracks it had uh rock and robin and tequila and uh awesome um maybe, maybe wipeout was on it wipeout green onion um a couple other ones um uh but the first one that i actually bought well i guess i'm a cheat i'm not gonna say bought burned um <laughs> came from a very conservative household so i was only supposed to listen to christian rock and stuff yeah um but one of my uh nefarious friends at the time introduced me to lincoln park <laughs> so the first cd that i got on my own was hybrid theories in lincoln park awesome <laughs> and that was uh from somebody that was only supposed to listen to oldies and you know classic rock and some blues rock um, Lincoln Park blew my mind. <laughs> I was gonna say that's quite a shift. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty uh, uh, anger-driven music, you know, with a with a lot of force and power. It was pretty wild when that first came out. That there was a, um, you know, quite a, a big upswelling of folks that really got into their that band. Mm-hmm. That's still a wild album to go listen to. It's just it's got everything in it. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. So uh, on firsts, uh, how about your first concert? What was the first concert you went to see? Um, 
the first concert that I ever saw was a uh, Christian pop band called Jake. Nice. Um, I won tickets from for to see them on the radio when I was in like fifth or sixth grade. <laughs> and my my parents didn't know what I was doing. I knew they were going to do the contest, and I went and uh, um called the radio station on a landline and managed to be lucky number whatever. <laughs> um, awesome. Where was that? Um, it was at some church. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> Excellent. But the but first Lansing area. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, it might have been Mount Hope or something like that. Okay. Uh, but the first, I would say, the first like real concert in like uh, that I went to in Van Andel um, was uh, actually it was Josh Groban. Oh wow! Awesome. That dude. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, that's very cool. What's mm-hmm. the best? What's the best concert you've been to? And I know that probably um, changes with time, but it does. Um, I would. I so I've seen Metallica three times, and I got to see them at Comerica Park. Nice. When they were opening up the, um, the Hardwired tour, yeah. So twenty seventeen, I think. Um, and I don't know if you remember, but. Um, that concert, the, um, the Comerica Park told them they are not allowed back again because the mosh pit destroyed the outfield. <laughs> they had to import in a rush new grass because, like, they had a, a game being held there in, like, three days. And, I, I forgot that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, and I, I went with my brothers and... That was like I had been to some some metal shows and some hard rock shows before, and I'd, I'd been in some mosh pits and been in the front and like that. Yeah, none of it compared to that show. <laughs> um, we got there early, like we all wore cargo shorts filled with water bottles and stuff because we knew we were in for a long right. day. Um, and we got there hours before the show started, and as soon as it opened, we bolted to the front. And we managed to get like on the rail. Oh man. Um holding on for dear life. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> oh, but, um right up like right off to the I think the right of the center stage. Awesome. Holy crap. Um, so that was that was awesome and it was an awesome show. Um because it was uh Volbeat and Event Sevenfold open for them too. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that would that's still uh uh, definitely a like highlight concert for me. Very cool. Very cool. So now what inspires you today um, to keep creating music? What are you, uh, what are your, um, I guess, what are the things that inspire you to want to make music and create? Um, it's a good question. Cause it's not one thing usually. Um, so lately for me, music has just been, uh, well, not just been, but it's it's been a, a big outlet. So, um, I just uh, even if Sean and I don't have an idea to work on, yeah, just going in and just that catharsis of just pushing something out, even if it sucks, yeah, it's um, yeah, it just uh, like I will feel good for weeks after I've had a a, a day of just music, nice. um. But a a lot of it too, like there's, um, 
I, it, I it's kind of an obsession. Um, I have a friend that likes to make fun of me and call me a shoegazer because I <laughs> love my effects. Yeah. Um, and I, I have a problem. I don't stop buying them either. <laughs> but um, the search for tone. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I love just kind of expanding and seeing what else the guitar can do. So there's kind of like a challenge aspect to it for me too. But um, the other thing is just, I just, I'll hear things and, you know, uh, I listen to music a lot while I work and uh, really at any given point, there's probably music that I'm playing somewhere uh-huh. um, and just getting into new things and like, okay, like, and then, you know, wanting to then take my favorite aspects of whatever I just heard back to, you know, do something new with. Awesome. Do you uh, ever get inspired by, um, you mentioned like doing, um, that it was fun to do that film soundtrack. Do you ever get inspired by film or um, books or anything like that to to drive musical ideas? Um, I wouldn't say as much books. Um, but yeah, definitely, there's definitely films out there. Um, I say one of the, one of my favorite film soundtracks um, is one called It, it Follows. Okay, I don't think I know it. Um, it's a horror movie. Um, probably about four or five years old now. Okay. Um, I don't remember who did the soundtrack, but it's it's the creepiest music I've ever heard. <laughs> um, it's one of those ones where if you took the music out of the movie, I don't know how well the movie would have held up. Oh wow. Um, so so sometimes I I I pull from movies and stuff. Um. Actually, video games too. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah, video games. And sometimes there's um, been like really cool like uh, artists that have recorded things and put them in video games, which is I think is mm-hmm. kind of fun. Um, which, that's, that's actually an aspiration of Sean's. If we get a chance to do a a video game score, yeah, that would Sean be will really die cool. a happy man. <laughs> awesome. We'll have to make that happen. We'll have to find out who's making video games and hopefully get them in touch. Yeah, I gotta find. I got to figure out how to get into the indie game scene. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be a way. Got to be a way. I'm sure there's a Reddit thread somewhere or something. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> or some, uh, some Twitch board somewhere or discord. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, for sure. So, uh, if you could, uh, sit down with and have a beverage of your choice with uh, somebody either alive or dead, um, who would that be? And what would you like to talk to them about? Mm. that's a hard one um there's two like there's so many names that come up (laughs) i know um i'm I'm gonna put the parameter on and say it's going to be music related okay um Oh, I, I actually right now. Um, oh, I can't remember his actual name. Um, there's an indie artist that goes by the name Tobacco. Okay. Um, he also um, uh, was in Black Moth, Super Rainbow. Um, but he does. It's it. it he's got a consistent sound, but uh-huh. it doesn't fit neatly into any genre. Okay. And his songwriting is incredibly, like, 
oblique at times and it's it can be jarring but still somehow like meditative at times yeah like he's he's just a very interesting songwriter and um kind of a reserved individual so sitting down with him to talk about songwriting okay i think would be a cool thing kind of pick his brain and see where he goes pick his brain play with the synthesizers <laughs> like that yeah yeah that's half of it sometimes you just like to sit down with somebody so you could get like how did you do that or you know what do you you know what are you thinking when you were coming up with this tune i think that mm -hmm. would be awesome like uh especially you know somebody like hendrix or somebody would just be dude you know how did you where did that come from although i know i i've listened to um there's this great podcast called uh shit now i'm blanking out oh um a history of rock and roll and 500 songs and mm -hmm. um he mentioned that like hendrix you know had just been playing on the uh chitlin circuit in the south just as a you know session guitar player touring with all these other people i think he even played with um james brown at some point um but yeah that's how he got his chops this is like playing day in and day out and day in and day out mm -hmm. yeah but it'd be cool to talk to him about like what that was like and then you know going to england and all that kind of crap i think it would be fun to see you know how that impacted him um and especially it would have been really cool to sit in with him and billy gibbons because i think they hung out and toured for a little bit that would be yeah. cool yeah so if i could ask if i could if i could get hendrix to, to answer one question i, I would want to know what went through his head when he wrote little yeah um just like because it's such a gorgeous like masterpiece of a song yeah but like how, where did that idea even come from because it feels like it's so many things in one thing yeah i just yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I i would love to to learn like just just how he thought of the things that he thought of yeah yeah and put those yeah it, to put that together like you said it, it's such a beautiful song and to be able to mm -hmm. put that together, you know, and just like, wow, what the hell? Yeah, it would be cool to find out. Mm -hmm. So now if you, when you guys go on tour, if you could go on tour anywhere in the world, um, where would you guys like to, what's a, a venue or a, a particular place or country you'd like to go to? And who would you like to go on tour with? Ooh, ooh. Um... Going on tour with is a good question. Um, I don't. I I would love to go with Tobacco or somebody that does some kind of like something that's kind of in like somewhere between the rock and the electronic music. Yeah, like something like that would be cool. Um, we've we kind of toured and we've played a lot of shows with a lot of hard rock and metal bands and like we definitely have some songs that kick it but we're not a hard rock yeah. or metal band yeah um because then you know then blue satin or you know one of those ones comes into the mix and the you know drops down right. um actually jack white would be a good one. Oh yeah if he's he I, i'd say he fits better into a genre than we do but he still is very much all over the place with his sound yeah um i would I, I can't speak for for Sean, but um, I'd love to do a show in Japan. Awesome, yeah. 
Seems uh, like that would be cool. I got to go to Japan uh, before the pandemic. Really? Wow. And, uh, yeah. My, my brother was in the Navy and was visiting him. And then, you know, for a week we went and were tourists and ventured yeah. around. And Awesome. Where'd you go? Um, I am horrible at pronouncing the names. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to guess Tokyo, right? Yeah, we did do, we did do Tokyo. And there was like three other cities that all started with Y and were like over <laughs> 13 letters. I, <laughs> um, the one we spent the most time in though was, um, where the military base was. Okay. There's a Navy base. Um, it's not, uh, I should remember. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I can't think of it either. Um, but I know what you're, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, the, it, Jeff, uh, you know, for the longest time I hadn't had any real desire to go to Japan. I don't know why. Um, but we just watched this show. Uh, it was called, uh, the, Re the reluctant traveler. It's with, uh, Eugene <laughs> Levy, the, the actor, oh, yeah. American pie. Um, and he's like, he doesn't really want to travel, but he's doing a TV show about traveling. But anyway, uh, so he goes to Tokyo and it looked wild. It was just like, holy crap. I can't imagine being there. All those people, like, I think there's 25 million people live in that city. Um, yeah. But mean, the, the way they do things just felt more efficient. Um, and like for as many people as there were, yeah, it was not a dirty city. I remember we were walking to go get breakfast um, early in the morning before a lot of the traffic had started up and everything else and i was like did they power wash the streets and sidewalks before we got up or something like <laughs> how does it look this nice like it, it makes some of our big cities just look like dumps like yeah they just they yeah they they take really good care of what they have over there and it's just i don't the, just a and the, the people were so nice that's cool awesome um did you learn any tobacco, japanese um, I learned, I'm, I'm not going to say it because I'll butcher all of it, and it's with a horrible Michigan accent, but <laughs> um, I was able to say hello, goodbye, um, please. I learned like the um, you know, AM and P, like morning and evening. Oh, yeah. Um, and a couple other words, um, and chew high. Chew high is a. Um, it's a, it's an alcoholic beverage. Um, it's a, I think it's the base is so high or something like that. Too high, something like <laughs> that. Right. But it's it's a rice vodka essentially, and then they just mix oh. juice into it. Oh, cool! <laughs> and it was in vending machines, and but you just buy it by the can for like, I don't know, dollar fifty two bucks. Nice. Got a can of like pineapple flavored vodka drink. <laughs> Excellent. I got plastered on that stuff <laughs> <laughs> i took a suitcase of home <laughs> uh, you get a little too high you get a little too high and too high mm -hmm. <laughs> awesome uh, i i can't remember what it was called but i also had um there's a whiskey that's made over there and it's a it's a some sort of a, a viper or a snake that's i guess indigenous to japan okay but they they raise them exclusively to put into these bottles of whiskey. So you have the venom in the whiskey. Snake venom? Really? Holy crap. Yeah. Wow. That's oh. kind of wild. So it was a really weird 
weird drunk. Yeah. Wow. That seems, yeah. I don't know if I'd be into that. <laughs> but they I, I'd say it's worth trying. I mean, I'm, I'm still here. I suppose. But, um, <laughs> that night is fuzzy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you could go um, like uh, anywhere in the United States, where would that be? Anywhere in the U.S.? Yeah. To play a gig. Um, I mean, if I'm picking a place to do a gig, I'm going to go somewhere big. So it's going to be Madison Square Garden or nice some something, you know, something something big like that. Or doing doing a Super Bowl show would be so much fun. Yeah, can you imagine? If you have, I mean, because I'm assuming like sky is the the limit with like the budgets for those shows and yeah, you know, taking all the right songs to make a medley and whatnot. Um. So yeah, if I could, if I could choose anything, I'd choose a Super Bowl. Excellent. So the, so the location doesn't matter, I guess, as much to me. That's right. Well, yeah, and the Super Bowl does move around a little bit, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool, and it'd be somewhere warm in the winter. So, mm -hmm. yeah, awesome. So now, when you're um, just looking to like sit back and relax, is there? Uh, a particular album's like your go-to. That's it's the thing that you grab most the most of the time, or a song. It, it really depends on when you catch me. Um, but some of my if I'm if I'm just picking whole albums that I can listen to, um, absolutely love Electric Ladyland. Nice. Um, I still love Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park. Um, Hotel California is a great one um um shoot what's the title of the album um summer side of life by gordon lightfoot oh wow cool um i'm it, it, he like people don't expect me to know <laughs> gordon but I love <laughs> um he's just a like I don't always get into the sound that he makes, but his songwriting is just yeah, yeah. It's just a consistently quality product. Um, um, like I love "Ride the Lightning" by Metallica. Um, so sort of like uh, the songwriting, it's it's a little bit all over. Depends, like yeah. I said, depends depends on the day. Well, it's like the last week I've been listening to a lot of electronic music. Oh, cool. So awesome. It just, yeah. Like it really just depends on my mood. Yeah. Totally synth music? Not necessarily. Some of it is. Okay. Um, like, um, I can't remember. There's a, I recently discovered dark synth wave. Oh, yeah. Um, had no idea that was a thing. And now I can't get enough of it. Yeah. So probably for the next few weeks, I'm just going to absorb dark synth until <laughs> I crave something different. <laughs> there's uh, there's actually a band out your way. I don't know if they're in, I think they're in Grand Rapids. They're a pop synth band, um, kind of like 80s synth. Um, and why can't I remember their name? Uh, they got a really cool logo on there. Uh, oh my gosh, I'll have to. 
I'll have to find it and, and send it to you after because I can't think of their name. Uh, but there is a band in Ipsy that does really cool kind of, I don't know if it would be technically considered dark wave synth, um, but it, they're called E-N-D. Um, end? E-N-D? E-N-D, yeah. And <laughs> they do some, I saw them, uh, was it last year, I think? at FuzzFest and they blew me away. I was like, what in the hell is going on here? Just two guys, they got the, the one dude, uh, I think they both actually build their own rigs. Um, he builds his own effects pedals. He plays a guitar for part of that, um, that he's got modded out and then running it through all kinds. When you talk to him, you can go down a rabbit hole talking to those dudes about like how they got all this stuff set up, which you might uh, find enjoyable because I know you said I, you like I, to play I with effects. <laughs> There's the the number of people that I can talk to about gear just as I get older, just like that number just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> well, um, you, could, you could definitely hit those dudes up. Uh, yeah, that's that Ed, Ed sounds, Damon. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm gonna E N D. I'm I'm gonna look them up now because that sounds that sounds up my alley. Yeah, and they do these really oh. cool. Um, they've got these like kind of plexi covers on there because uh, they have like a portable. They got to the point where they were like, you know, we can't rely on the club's sound systems. They can basically run their whole show totally modular and, and carry it to the show. But they put like a projector on and then they're playing these crazy videos and like different video imagery. Um, and every show they're like, they're not doing the same thing. They're doing like, they're just going off of how the, how they feel like the sound should go. So it's never the same. Um, it's very cool. So. See, that's that's the kind of stuff that I I really get into. Um, it's just when there's like when I mean, because like there's you know there's still something that's great and fun about going to a show that has a you know a predetermined set list and they yeah. you know really don't deviate from it like yep. just to hear what it sounds like. But it, like Mars Volta used to do that too, not in the electronic vein, obviously, but like just the you don't know what you're getting when you show up to their show. Right. And I, I love that. Like that's what would compel me to come back again to see the, the same band is, you know, that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just remembered the, the band in uh, Grand Rapids, Von Kaiser um, from the, there's a video game. Uh, I think it's uh, Tyson's sounds... punch out. <laughs> I think. Uh I I'll have to look them up. That I actually, I haven't interacted with them, but that sounds really familiar. Yeah, there's is more. Whereas ends more in the dark area there, and the poppy like '80s sound, which I, you know, almost new wave-ish, but it's still cool. The '80s sounds kind of making a comeback. It is. Yeah, it's there's quite a few bands that have like kind of embraced that, which is fun, you know. Although mm -hmm. it's sometimes I think of like, oh man, it was kind of a dark time for me because you know I was a kid into metal and when you're listening to new wave you're like oh what is this <laughs> it, took me a while, it took me a while to appreciate it like later in my life i like oh i get why i get this you know i like it now but so if you were a metalhead in the 80s what what kind of metallica fan are you oh like old school like um when they did the metal for nations like i have that album where they where, where they had um it was you know uh pre um Kill 'em all, like mm -hmm. they had the okay. soundtrack, and then I bought Kill 'em all. Actually, a 
friend, so I was in college and he brought over, he goes here. I was listening at the time to like Ozzy and uh, Sabbath and Iron Maiden. And he was like, here, you need to check this. Well, two things out. He goes, he gave me uh, Ride the Lightning uh, or not Ride the Lightning, uh, Kill Em All. And he gave me Angel Witch. Um, oh. And oh, yeah, Angel Witch still blows me away to, away to this day. They were like, just holy crap. But yeah, it was, uh, and then I, you know, got into Ride the Lightning. I saw him open up for Ozzy during um, Master of Puppets. And so it was yeah. cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Or, I kind of fell off the, the wagon fans? after the Black Album. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Much. Yeah. Because it, you know, kind of changed their sound, which was not, I was getting heavier and they were, you know, going in a different direction, which is totally fine, but it just wasn't for me. Well, for me, they're one of those ones, it's, it's not about the time of them. It's just, they have good albums and they have bad albums. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And unfortunately, most of those bad albums happen post Black Album. Yeah. 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 There's, I mean, some of it, I'm just not even familiar with. I can't even like tell you like the, the last, I mean, I don't even remember what the last album was. Um, I still, you know, love Metallica, but it's all the old school stuff that I still listen to and and love. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. The old stuff is phenomenal. Yeah. Ride the Lightning is my favorite album of theirs. I mean, I love, I still love metal today and I'm still like um, obsessed with like, newer bands that are coming out um but you know it's all builds off of that past you know those very first thrash albums are the same thrash that people are playing today they may be playing it like you know 20 percent faster um or a little bit more violence you know like um <laughs> enforcer or you know enforced or um what's the other one uh they've got really big and their singer passed away uh shoot Anyway, they, they sound like old Metallica to me um, mm. uh, or Exodus or, you know, or something like that. Yeah. So, and there's, you know, some of those bands are still, well, obviously Metallica still going around. Death Angel, I love them. They're still happening. Exodus, Testament, you know, so, yeah. Still, metal is still strong. <laughs> well, well, I feel like that genre is having to innovate a lot too. They're, yeah. they're having to... Uh... I feel like there's kind of a dry spell where it was a lot of the same for a minute. Yeah. Well, you I know, like it's it, yeah, starting, there's starting to do more things. Yeah. And there's only just, uh, I mean, infinite possibilities as far as songwriting and coming up with a really cool uh, riff that builds into a, a you know, a, a memorable song in that genre. Um, but there is just like a finite set unless you're going to go off into other stuff, right? You're going to mm-hmm. do like Metallica did and start, all right, we've done the thrash thing. We're going to move into more of a hard rock meets thrash meets, you know, I'd say they're less of a thrash band and more of a hard rock band now. Um, and then you've got other bands that went in a different, you know, completely different direction or they just stopped doing what they were doing. And, you know, um, they're doing, you know, playing in a jazz band or something like that. Marty Friedman. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's still doing what he did, but he's not playing Megadeth, you know? It's, yeah. So, yeah. I think, yeah, like you said, you got to be, keep innovating and trying to find new stuff. But mm-hmm. I think that happens with everybody, really. Oh, yeah. No, and that's, and it's, I think it's okay to not like the direction that every band takes. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I just don't get where some people uh, like have to just 
you know, take a shit on the band. You know, it's like, yeah, who cares? I mean, if you don't like it, don't listen to it. Done. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the, the I, I call them like purists or elitists, but yeah, it's yeah. Like, I, they yeah. did something that makes them happy and it's making them more money. So yeah. Yeah. For you, it sucks. That's fine. You know, but mm-hmm. yeah, if ever other, other people like it, it's cool. It's, you know, that's mm-hmm. the beauty of music. We can all find something we love. Absolutely. Well, Stu, thanks so much for being on Fans with Bands and really appreciate it. Looking forward to checking out the album on April 7th. Um, I just have one last question for you, and that is sure pineapple or no pineapple on pizza? Pineapple on pizza and on everything. <laughs> awesome. Is there a favorite I, co- uh, combo uh, toppings uh, that you like to put with the pineapple? Um. <laughs> I was in college. Um, the cafeteria had a personal pizza station, and my favorite pizza. I'm just, it's so gross to me thinking back because I ate it all the time. It was just extra cheese and pineapple, <laughs> like two handfuls of pineapple and like four handfuls of cheese. I couldn't get enough of it. And looking back, I'm like, how did I not? like get ulcers and acid reflux from all of that but (laughs) yeah no i i i've always loved pineapple on pizza i don't understand why people don't (laughs) yeah it's funny it can be one of those things where people are like nope or yep you know divide households you know it's crazy (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh well Stu, thanks again for being on fans with bands i appreciate it Thanks for having me. Hope we can do this again. Yeah, cool, man. All right. Take it easy. I'll see you. Thanks so much to Stu for joining me on this episode of Fans with Bands. I very much enjoyed learning about Stu's band, Pulp Phonics. They create some unique music that spans genres. Their new album, Art is Money, is coming out on April 7th. Be sure to check that out. See the show notes for all the details and links. These are tough times for everyone in the creative industries, such as music. Your support of live streaming, purchasing music, and merchandise is critical. If you can help out your local artists, please do. If you are in the Michigan area, consider following the Playing in the Detroit Area Tonight Facebook page. It is a place for fans and bands to support each other and share our combined love of music. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast service to get each and every episode of Fans with Bands. Spread the word by rating the show and leaving a comment. We want to hear what you think. You can keep in touch by following us on social media. This is a Life in Michigan production. Until next time, be well and kick out the jams.